following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. When I sat down to study this week, um, I admit my, my first thought was, Lord, I could really use something easy. Um, can I just please just let me have a text that will preach itself, right? Um, maybe the, the parable of the sower, right? That would, be a, that would be an easy one. Well, maybe next week will be easy um, because today we're going to look, look at Luke 8, 1 through 3, and the parable of the sower is Luke 8, 4 through 8. Um, so turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 8, 1 through 3, and that's page 864 in the Pew Bibles. Luke 8, 1 through 3. Um, I, I was out of routine uh, with snow and, um, and things, and thank you, Dougie, for making sure that we can all get in here. Uh, and plowing the snow, um, um, but I I stayed home on Thursday to write. So if this sermon is all upside down, it's it's because I just wasn't sitting in the right chair. Um, so, so Luke chapter eight, uh, starting at verse one. Soon afterward, he went on through cities. In, and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chutzah, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful that you have uh, instruction for us here. You have wisdom for us to gain. You have uh, a picture of who you are, your great love for us. We're thankful that we're able to freely gather in this place to hear from your spirit. And I pray, Lord, as has been my prayer all week, that you would be the interpreter uh, of the words between my mouth and your people's ears. Lord, may we open our ears to hear you speak, open our eyes to see your hand at work, and soften our hearts to receive the message and apply it. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Quick quiz. What is our only hope in life and death? You were listening to the song, not reading your book. You got trapped in that one. What's our only hope in life and death? Amen. Our only hope in life and death is that we are not our own. We belong to God. That's question number one from our catechism, okay? So, 
that was that was your reading to prepare for this week. I'm not going to preach on that, um, but just so we get the um, timing right. Uh, and if you don't have that book, um, you can get the app for free, and it has all the content, all of the devotional material. Um, and if you turn on the children's version, you can even hear a song that will help you remember the question and the answer. Uh, I'm not going to sing that for you. Um, so that's that's the question that the kids worked on in Sunday school last Sunday. Uh, so we're going to go on to question two. So that means um, after today, you all are on to question two also. So we're all swimming in the same stream. Okay? Make sense? I can't ask you what question number two is because I haven't read that part yet. So, back to Luke 8. One of the main reasons that I preach book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse is so we don't skip anything. And we don't skip over little portions of Scripture like this. This could have very easily be lost to the parable of the sower because that's next. And as a preacher, it's just like, come... (laughs) I'm going to be easy to preach, but you can't skip over this. We, can, um, we can't afford to do that. This is, this is God's word, right? We call the Bible that a lot. And it's because these are God's words, and they would not have been recorded and preserved for us if they weren't important. God doesn't throw anything away. This is not, these are not throwaway verses. As Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So these three little verses have meaning. And they are profitable for us to consider. And first, as we look at these verses, we must consider the work of Jesus on earth. Though Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave are the culmination of his work on earth, it was preceded by his work of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. We can't forget that. Though the cross is central to our faith, we can't forget Jesus' teaching before he was crucified. Verse 1 says, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus spent about three and a half years preaching about the kingdom of God, a kingdom of grace and a kingdom of righteousness by faith in him. He spent three years teaching people how to be citizens of that kingdom, And then when the time came, he gave his life on the cross that we could enter that kingdom through faith in him alone. No amount of good works, no amount of right living, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your name is. None of those things can gain us access into God's eternal kingdom. Only faith in Jesus Christ. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save us from the destruction that we deserve because of our sin. Only faith in Christ. I hope I'm, de- 
I hope I'm making the point here. Only faith in Christ. So during those three years, three and a half years of ministry, he called the twelve, whom he called apostles, and he trained them, not only about the kingdom itself, but he trained them how to preach the good news after his death and resurrection and return to the Father. And these twelve, these twelve guys were unschooled, ordinary men. We've talked about them here before. Fishermen, tax collectors, regular guys that Jesus called to extraordinary work. And after his return to the Father, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, filled these men, all with the exception of Judas, of course, who was replaced by Matthias. He filled these men with the Holy Spirit and empowered them to do the work of proclaiming the kingdom of God just as he had trained them to do. And they did. And it changed the world. You can read about that event where the Holy Spirit comes upon the twelve in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And we talk a lot about the apostles, uh, specifically, you know, more about the ones that wrote um, than the ones that didn't. But the twelve were not the only ones with Jesus. Often in our flannel graph pictures of Jesus, there's a, there's a clump of guys that represent the twelve, and they're, you know, they're always together. Um, and then there's the picture of Jesus, and then a crowd. But there's a crowd within the crowd, right? Uh, look again at our text. And the twelve are with him, in verse 2, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chutza. You can say Chusa if you want. You're in New Hampshire. <laughs> Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So there are three women named here, obviously Mary Magdalene or Mary from Magdala, uh, which is in the region of Dalmatia. You can look in the back of your Bible at your maps uh, there to see that region. Also Joanna, uh, who along with Mary Magdalene and one other Mary were among the first to see Jesus resurrected um, or to see the resurrected Jesus. And there's also Susanna who is not mentioned, again, by name in Scripture anywhere, as well as many other faithful women. So imagine this. What does this group look like? What we see is a circle of men and women, of brothers and sisters, with the Lord Jesus in the center. What does that sound like to you? It's the seed of the church. This is God's design from the beginning for his people, for his kingdom. It's people united in faith with Christ at the center. I like that picture. And I like especially Christ at the center, not the pastor. That's a bummer. Christ at the center with, with us, his people, surrounding him him in faith, connected to one another. 
Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Amen. What a beautiful picture. We are all one in Christ. And just as sinners stand equal at the foot of the cross, men and women of faith all stand equal in faith in Christ. We all belong to Christ. Now, though men and women are called to different roles within the church, which is a very unpopular teaching in our day, but it's true. Sometimes uh, the roles for men, actually all the time, the roles for men are more clearly defined um, than that of women in Scripture, which makes life hard for everybody. Um, We are all still one in Christ. That means that our standing before God is the same through faith in Jesus. There are no classes of citizens in his kingdom, just God's children. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or free, if you're independently wealthy or on welfare. We are all one in Christ. So what were these women doing? I think they serve as a great example. Mary and Joanna and Susanna, as well as the other unnamed women that were with Jesus. What were they doing? Look back at the text. And the twelve were with them. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Hutza, and uh, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Hmm. How about that? Remember what Jesus said about the woman who anointed his feet and wiped them with her hair? We just talked about that. It wasn't Mary Magdalene, okay, just to be clear. What did he say? That she was forgiven much, and so she loved much. Like that woman, these women had been given and forgiven much, and so they loved much. That woman humbly gave what she had to Jesus as a blessing to him. In her case, it was her tears and a flask of costly ointment. And in the case of these women in our text, they provided for the needs of Jesus and the apostles out of their own personal financial means. These women stand in as monuments of Christ's power and mercy. Jesus is the great physician of both the body and the soul. What these women were doing was responding positively to his healing and his message about his kingdom. They were bound by gratitude to serve him and his gospel. And they stand as a great example for all of us. These women willingly sacrificed what they had to provide for the needs of our Savior and his apostles. And this has been the pattern for the church ever since. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 7 through 11. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? 
Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Now, what's amazing about all of this, to me, is the humility of our Lord Jesus. That he allowed himself to become so poor that he depended on the generosity of others. He truly did make himself nothing and took on the form of a servant. What a blessing it is to bless the Lord in this way. Um, What a blessing it is, it must have been for these women to give of themselves to feed the Lord himself as well as his church. And as humbling as it was for the Lord to live in such a way as to depend on the benevolence of others, it took still another measure of humility to accept their gifts. The one who said that it is more blessed to give than to receive allowed these dear saints to experience the blessing by receiving their offering. What a beautiful thing. The one who multiplied the loaves and fishes for 5,000 plus people allowed somebody else the blessing of providing the bread and the fish. I see in that a picture of the gospel. This is by no means a, um, a petition to get a race. This has nothing to do with me. I see in this a picture of the gospel. We come to faith in Jesus from all, place, all different places, all different backgrounds, And through faith in Jesus, he fills us with his Holy Spirit and makes us into things and puts us into places we could have never imagined before we knew him. Think of what you were before you met Jesus. Think of where you were before you met the Lord. Before you gave your life to him, where were you? What were you doing? And were you thinking about today and what you're doing now? I can surely say no. (laughs) No, not even close. These faithful women, women in their gratitude for what Jesus did for them, gave of themselves to bless the Lord and were forever immortalized on the pages of Scripture for their gift. What a beautiful thing. Now, we're certainly never going to be added to the pages of Scripture by name, but we can still give of ourselves out of gratitude, for the, of gratitude to the Savior for what he has done for us, whether it's our time, our talents, our treasure, making meals, shoveling yards, blessing people with help. That's how we give back. That's how we can give to the Lord and offering to others the gift that we have so graciously received, the gift of the gospel, the good news that Jesus died to save sinners, of whom we are the worst. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
for this brief word this morning. We thank you for the example that these women set, giving of their means to provide for the needs of the Savior and his work. I pray, Father, that we would learn and follow that example in giving what we have to those in need. Most specifically, Lord, giving the gift of the gospel, sharing the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're so grateful, Lord, that you've made us a church. We're so grateful you've made us part of your kingdom. We're so grateful to be your children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. May we never forget and continue to give out of gratitude for what you have so graciously given to us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.